This morning with Stacy Bratzel and Daryl McIntyre on 630 Chat, presented by Abe's Door Service, with 24-7 emergency service where you speak to an actual person. Visit abesdoor.ca. Good morning, everyone. 6.37. You're listening to This Morning on 6.30 Ched. Great to have you uh, in. Do you own a pet? I know you own three, Daryl. I have three at the moment. Two dogs and a cat. And I have a cat, which everyone knows because I love my cat. <laughs> and everybody knows because I love my dogs. We talk about them. We talk about them. Yeah. We love them. Uh, we do have some difficulty. I don't know about you, but I get some difficulty with getting an immediate vet appointment if something needs to be checked. It takes time because they are so busy. I, oh, yeah. I, we have great vets. We use the guys in, in, in Devon at the veterinary clinic there, and they're awesome. They're so busy. Oh, yeah. And and you, you do hear about 24-7 emergency clinics not being 24-7 anymore. They are 9 to 6 because either A, they can't find vets because there is mm-hmm. a shortage right now. I know the UFC is trying to pump out vets as much as they can and, and uh, as many as they can because they're short-staffed. And, yeah. of course, there's also a mental health component to this, too. They're getting burned out. Mm. Uh, it can be, you know, owning a pet, caring for a pet, being a vet uh, can be very emotional. Mm-hmm. These these are these are little lives, and there's obviously the emotions of the owners as well as your own emotions. But it, it, it's also just your basic burnout, and we've heard about it so much when there are different industries and groups, just human health care, where you hear about burnout. It, the same thing's being experienced in the veterinary world. And the uh, president of the Canadian Veterinary Medical Association, Trevor Lawson, is joining us to talk about that this morning, because there are some very real emotional and mental health impacts uh, that we're seeing. Trevor, thanks so much for your time this morning. How, how are you? Good morning, Daryl. I'm doing well. Good morning, Stacy. How are you this morning? Good morning. We are we are good. Um, but that's an important question uh, in of this course, context. Of How are you? Absolutely, and I think it's one that uh, we probably should do a better job of, of asking on a more regular basis. I think uh, those little steps go a long ways uh, on some of the tougher days. So you've been a vet for more than uh, 20 years. How is it for you? What's your practice yeah, look like every day? Uh, you know, busy, challenging. I, I think um, our practice reflects a, a great deal of what many practices in Canada experience. Um, you know, there's always a constant stream of demands, and uh, it, it's a real juggling act most days to uh, to try to ensure that they're met and that, that the animals and the uh, owners of the animals get the care that they deserve. What's different now? Yeah. Oh, boy. Perhaps you before know, the this- pandemic. Yeah, great question. I think the world changed a lot in the last few years, and you know, no matter what uh, uh, industry or profession that we're we're thinking about, um, uh, I think in our world, uh, what we've experienced is, without question, an increased demand in the companion animal side, uh, in particular. Uh, so there's more pets in more households. Um, that has applied a certain level of pressure that is uh, that came on rather suddenly. So there wasn't much opportunity to adapt in a system that was already fairly stretched thin. Um, and then, you know, I think we've seen this here reality where because things were stretched so thin, uh, we've seen colleagues who've had to pull back for their own well-being, uh, whether that's veterinarians or other members of the team. So it makes it harder in many practices to run at full capacity and then maybe see as many patients as we might like to. Uh, why is there a shortage of veterinarians? Uh, you know, there's the horrible way of looking at it that you can make some good money doing that. 
Yeah, you know, there's no question. Uh, it, it's a great profession in so many ways, and, and I think uh, we, we can earn a good living, and, and there's a lot of upside. Um, I, I suppose if we look back to why we we're short, it, it didn't just happen overnight, so it's been a, something that's kind of been brewing for a while. I think it feels like it happened overnight. Uh, but realistically, we've we've been training veterinarians in Canada at roughly the retirement rate for, for a number of years. Uh, so our, our new graduates coming out has been replacing roughly the retirement rate, and, and we haven't really been able to account for growth in the population and growth in demand in that model. Um, so over the last few years, though, I, I can report that we've seen uh, some, some increasing uh, numbers at the vet colleges, so they've been successful in growing their class sizes. Uh, yours right Calgary uh, has certainly done a great job uh, announcing that they're going to double their class size in the coming years. Um, All very welcome news, but obviously not an immediate solution because that will take some time before we start to see the benefits of that. There's a new report by the Journal of the American Veterinary Medical Association talking about veterinarians and suicidal thoughts, and the numbers are shocking. Can you tell them? Do you have those numbers on hand, or do you want me to... Well, I, I have them kind of in my head, and, and you're right. Um, the, the numbers are much higher than in the general population. Um, that, I, I think, is not necessarily a new problem. We've understood that to be an issue in the profession for, for many years, but it has been exasperated in the last few. So the numbers, I think, are a bit more dire today than they would have been, say, five years or seven years ago. Uh, but that, that's been a challenge that we've seen in the profession uh, for decades. Um, and, and a lot of that is tied into uh, compassion fatigue, uh, burnout, uh, being on call 24-7, uh, that, res- that kind of all-encompassing uh, responsibility for, for being available for, for clients and patients. Um, it's been probably longer standing, I think, in the rural areas, and, and that probably makes some sense. We live in a more urbanized society than ever, and uh, many practitioners in rural areas don't have necessarily the same level of uh, backup and support. Uh, but in the last number of years, especially since the pandemic, I think it's become a much more broad-based reality. Uh, with so many more people owning pets, uh, some who maybe can't really afford them, is it is is some of that emotional impact coming from people not being able to afford to get pets treated? And so, you know, an animal that might otherwise be saved has to be put down. That can be emotionally taxing on the owners, obviously, but also that uh, that hits vets right in their hearts, too. You have, vets don't get into it for the money. You get into it because you love animals, I think, anyway. Yeah, Daryl, I, I think you raise a really, really great point. I think that's absolutely true. Um, there, there's a lot of altruism and, and compassion in the veterinary profession. Um, I, I think you're right. I, I don't think most people uh, decide to go to veterinary school with the idea that this is a great way to make money. Uh, It's more out of kind of that uh, side of their hearts where they care so much and then they're very willing to be part of that. Um, So so the cost of veterinary care, you know, like any health care, is not inexpensive. Um, So that creates some serious challenges um, where sometimes we're left with uh, less than desirable outcomes on cases due to financial reasons. Uh, Insurance has made a big difference. There's no question that pet insurance is something that I would advocate to anyone who asks. I think if I was getting a pet today, and then actually I, I got a new dog about a year ago, uh, that puppy is insured. Um, and, and, you know, that's coming from me who's in the profession. So I, I think it's one of those things that the public should always be looking very closely at. It uh, it can make a difference on so many cases where finances start to become an issue. So, Trevor, what now? What do we do as, as pet owners, as uh, vets that may be listening, uh, you know, with you in your organization? What now? 
Yeah, I, I, so there's a number of irons in the fire. Uh, the CBMA has been actively engaged with our provincial organizations, including the Alberta Veteran Medical Association, who have been uh, very engaged in and, and showing a lot of leadership on this file, uh, along with the veterinary colleges aiming to grow the class sizes. So that that's a little bit of a medium to longer term solution. Um, and I think we're seeing great progress there. The, uh, our goal in the short term is uh, to continue to work with our government partners provincially and federally to, uh, to hopefully successfully show them the case that the investment is worthwhile, uh, aiming to increase opportunities for training and infrastructure, uh, and hopefully increasing opportunities for, uh, for wellness funding within the profession. Uh, but I think for owners, uh, one of the things that is most important is if you don't have pet insurance, it's, you know, it's worth looking at um, and, and certainly talking to your local practice about it. They, they'll be able to provide the ins and outs and the details. Uh, but it's something that I think needs to become more prevalent going forward in terms of uh, hopefully offsetting some of those financial stresses that often lead to the team uh, really taking that home at night, those moral stresses of having to be, you know, knowing you can fix something, but then having to not have that as an option. Um, so, so those are some of the big ones for sure. How much does pet insurance cost? Quickly, do you know? Uh, it, it'll vary, yeah, and that's why it's probably better to talk directly to the practices. But uh, I think it often varies between kind of forty to eighty or ninety dollars a month. Um, it depends a lot on the case itself, and there's different providers and different packages, so it, it's um, it's it's not easy to put an absolute number on it. But it is generally considered quite affordable, and you know, if you talk to people who have pet insurance, uh, most of them will tell you that it was the best decision they've made. Yeah. Uh, you can always talk with your vet about which ones work best for them and immediate billing and all the rest of that stuff, too. Correct. They can, they can give you some info. Trevor, thanks so much for your time this morning. Appreciate it. No problem at all. Uh, have a great day. Take care. All right. Take care. Uh, Dr. Trevor Lawson is president of the Canadian Veterinary Medical Association. It's a uh, yeah. tough Oh, for sure. The the numbers he didn't have them offhand. I do have them. Uh, this 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 report said twenty six percent of veterinaries surveyed had suicidal thoughts. Stats Canada from last year found that two point five percent of Canadians, on average, had thoughts about killing themselves. So twenty six percent among vets, yes. the normal population, two point five. So there there is an issue, and and I guess you know. You, Hours are going to be restricted at clinics as as vets have to take care of themselves, and it's frustrating. Well, they, can't, they can't do 24-7. No. Individuals. And especially when they're short-staffed Absolutely. and people are leaving the profession because they can't take it anymore. So I guess as pet owners, we just have to be patient and maybe get this insurance. So we don't have to put down our pet because we can't afford what's happening to them. So It's 6.47 on this morning here on 6.30 Chen. Door service, where service is their specialty. Proud sponsor of this morning with Stacy Brotzel and Daryl McIntyre on 6:30 Chat. It is 6:49. Good morning, everyone. You're hanging out with uh, Stacy. That's me, Daryl, and of course uh, Morley's here. Uh, we're trying to keep him away from the panic button, but uh, I think it's already been pressed. It's red. Oh, it's glowing. By multiple and people. <laughs> by multiple people. Is is it? Is, I, I like to liken it to Eeyore. I just feel I feel I feel sad. I feel like a sad what donkey when, when I up. think about the orders. Yeah, the sharks are coming up. Yeah, I'm. Uh, and what now I, lose I'm just sharks? afraid they're going to lose to the bloody sharks. Yeah. Well, what if, what if the sharks beat them ten <laughs> one? Oh, That's not going to happen. No, I know it's not. Well. 
the, the, this start the wasn't going to happen. Like Eleven goals all season. I so. know, I know, but that's the that's the the emotional trauma yep. of being an Oiler fan. And and the thing about it too, because you're so invested in it, it's it's you know you you just get so excited about everything. You just go far left or far right. Like I mean, they lose, they're the worst team. They win, they're the best team, right? And <laughs> it's just people just go so far so fast, and that's why they call them fanatics, right? You know, <laughs> short for fan fanatic, well, right? And that's and that's exactly what makes sports great. Everything's life or death. There's <laughs> always next year. Great. A little well, early for wow. that. A little early for that. <laughs> well, well, next year, what do you mean? We're January's just a month and a bit away. You talk about the extremes. It was funny, and it was tongue-in-cheek when we started off that way. Yeah, where's the parade route going to be? And now it's, wow, there's always next year. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to rebuild. I, I, still, uh, I don't know. I cannot see it continuing. Like, no, it can't. But I said that five games ago. And you said and that they were continued. going to win all three yesterday. And yeah, I, they said lost the first I, I said it wouldn't surprise me, but now it would. Now, well, obviously, they can. <laughs> Maybe they can win out on this trip. Yeah. They have they have San Jose and then and Seattle. And then Seattle. So. How's Seattle? Better. Well, the Oilers <laughs> are in 31st much. of the 32 team league, so. Oh. They're the underdogs. They're playing the 32nd team Thursday. so It's always good to play as the underdog. Yes. Right? <laughs> you know, all the pressure comes off you when you're the underdog. Yeah. That's the way that works. Uh, yeah, well, All right. San Jose, yay, yay. San Jose, Come Thursday. On. Bring Can't, on the Sharks. Can't wait. We're rolling up on 652.